My name is Dave. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for joining us here in the building. Thanks, everybody, for joining us online. It's, uh, it's been a crazy, wild, amazing uh, 16 years, uh, seven months, and two weeks. Yeah, it's been a, a wild ride. Um, when we first moved here in 2005, we live uh, just about three miles down here off of, off of Sandstone. Uh, I went out to get the mail my first day as a homeowner in Jackson. Uh, my next-door neighbor came out and introduced himself to me and asked me what I did. I said, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, that's fantastic. We have the most amazing churches in Jackson. There's just one that's no good. Where are you going to be a pastor? Westwinds. That's the one. <laughs> it was funny because when I got here, you, 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 you meet people, and, and real quick, I, I learned, like, our church did not have a good reputation. People thought of us as quite uppity. They thought that we were like the rich church, the church that didn't welcome anybody who didn't look the right way or didn't have the right you know, country club membership or something like that. And, and we'd made some, um, some risky decisions that hadn't paid off uh, in the interim from former pastor to The Gap and then myself. And so well, one of the things which, which I actually think was really important, I wasn't here for this, but I do think it's an important issue, is um, we highlighted the issue of internet pornography. And we hosted a group called Triple uh, X Church, and, and we hosted them at, on Sunday morning to talk about the dangers of internet pornography and how, how, just how painful that can be for families and how destructive to people's sexual identity. However, the way we advertised that um, was, was a miss. It actually ended us up on Current Affair, and, uh, and there were some, some out-and-out lies published about us in the local newspaper, which, uh, I mean, they, we're all friends here. Um, is anybody, is there any kids in here right now? But um, one, of the, one of the absolute falsehoods that was published was that uh, they said that we had a 30-foot inflatable phallus in the front lawn, which we didn't, but that was in the local newspaper, which was exciting. And so when I first got here, they said, oh, you're the pastor of the porn church, which was, I got to be honest, not the kind of beginning I was hoping for. Um, and one of the things that we did early on was we said, we, we got to change the reputation of our church. Because... We love Jesus. And we need people to identify West Winds with the historical Christian faith, a deep commitment to the scripture, and the elevation and celebration of Jesus above all competing concerns. And it's so amazing now um, when I'm out and I hear people going to West Winds. Nine times out of ten, they don't recognize me um, if I'm out there anyway. And they come up and they say, oh, you, you know, uh, what do you do for a living? I usually say I work at a church. And if they see my tattoos, they think I'm a janitor, which is always my favorite. They're like, what do you do? Do you, do you like, clean up? Actually, yeah. <laughs> We're a little short-staffed right now, so I do. Um, but by and large, the reputation of our church has been redeemed. And, and typically what comes back to me now uh, is people that say that that's a church that that anybody can go to. Like if you're ashamed to go to church, West Winds is the place where you don't feel ashamed, and instead you feel loved and embraced. And and in large part, what the the, the real big change uh, was when we put those signs up at at either end of the parking lot. You know, welcome uh, misfits and miscreants, welcome rabble rousers and rebels. And we just thought we were being playful. Um, but little did we know that that was hope and that was light to our community. And, and having people now say, um, I feel like I could go to church there and I don't feel like I could do that anywhere else is the most beautiful gift. It's the most beautiful gift. 
Um, and the other really positive piece of feedback that we get a lot um, about our reputation is that, is that we're genuine, we're authentic. Uh, we don't put on airs, we don't, we don't try and make people jump through hoops. We really, we really focus on the stuff that, that matters, which for us is, is knowing Jesus and cooperating with God to heal the world. And it's so gratifying to know that people get that. And today I want to talk about what, what gives me hope for the future of our church. Um, because last, last time I started thinking about the future of our church, or rather the first time I started thinking about the future of our church, all, all hope felt like a fool's hope, you know? Like, how are we going to get out of this mess? How are we going to move forward? And, um, and right now it just, it just feels so different. And in large part, it's, it's not just because we've had some um, successes here and there, uh, but it's because we have some amazing people behind the scenes, working to structure our church and to guide our church. Um, we have a really strong set of elders right now. You, you never see them. I mean, our elders don't have a public role. Their role is all in um, you know, meetings and emails and Slack channels and all that. And, but the elders of your church are, are deeply spiritual, committed Christians. Um, and, I, and I wish that that was what everybody sort of assumed, but mo- most people have an impression that church elders are like curmudgeon old men you know, like maybe they're in the balcony at the Muppets or something, and they, they have their Machiavellian evil ways to manipulate and control people. That, that couldn't be farther from the truth, man. The people who lead your church are deeply in love with Jesus Christ. They pray over you, they care about you, and they make wise and shrewd decisions. Um, and our finance team, too. Uh, you saw Andy in a video uh, earlier. Andy and Rick are on our finance team along with Eric, and, and these are godly people who care about taking care of our expenses and limiting those, and, and, and also uh, generating um, healthy procedures to make sure that we stay within our budget. And in the earlier service, I told everybody I'm grateful to Rick and Andy um, because they've given us a position of financial uh, security. And, and somebody ran up to me and said, oh, that's so great. I was worried I was gonna give more money, but now I don't need to. And I was like, well, well let me change the way I say that then. So, um, what, what I mean is that these two men, who I admire very much, ha- have guided us through a very sharp decline in our giving due to COVID. Um, a, a, about a 30% drop in, in contributions. And of course, with that, we've had to make some big changes. But the only reason that we have security and that we're able to present ourselves to a new pastor with some confidence is because God has entrusted the financial security of our church to these remarkable people, and they have faithfully executed their responsibilities. And what a gift, man. I I couldn't have done that. Not even close. Not even close. They're a gift to our church. And and it means that as we look forward to the future, like a, a new pastor, they got something to work with, man. They got something to work with. They don't have some of the obstacles to overcome that we once did. Instead, what they have is, is ripe opportunity. And I'm sure you often um, hear me brag about uh, our staff. Um, they're my best friends. They're incredible. Amy Coolbaugh, Michelle, Eric, who apparently can do everything. Next week, we're going to put a bass drum on your belly and give you a harmonica. And, you know, um, of course, uh, Ryan Sisk, who's our, our media guy, helps Jake about with all kinds of stuff, and Courtney, who helps in kids, and, and then uh, Jake and Kelly and Melissa. These, these people mean the world to me. And uh, hearing them talk about their plans for, for Easter and Holy Week, 
is, is mind-blowing. This is the first Easter that I haven't been involved in planning at all, and it sounds so cool. I so badly want to be involved. I so badly want to take some credit for it, but the truth is is that they got their own thing going on. Like, like it's, it's really sweet, and it's really Christ-centered, and it, it's holy and beautiful and meaningful. And so when we think about the future of our church and we think about all that, that God is doing with us, I, I want you to know like our secret weapon though. It's you. The greatest hope for the future of our church is you. And I want you to consider that and, and know that that's not, um, that's not rhetoric. That's not me trying to be clever. Um, you're you have a role here, especially right now, in the providence and sovereignty of God. God, the Holy Spirit, has brought you to West Winds for this moment. And your church needs you. Your church needs you. The Apostle Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians, talks about the identity of a church. Chapter 12, he says, Now, Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to remain ignorant. I think that's funny. It's like, it's like he's saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, you're dumb, but you're not going to stay dumb after you read my letter. I think that's comical. He goes on to say, now there's all kinds of gifts, but they all come from the same spirit. And there's all kinds of ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. And there's all kinds of activities but they all serve the same God, and it's the same God who empowers all these activities in you. And to each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then later on in chapter 12, he goes on to say, now just like a, a body has many parts, so too the church, the body of Christ, has many members. It's you. A couple chapters later, in chapter 14, verse 12, Paul says, these gifts are given to you for the edification and the building of the church. Now, sometimes people wonder, um, well, what, what is the church? I mean, is it the gathering of people on a Sunday morning? Is it this community or that community? Here's the best definition I've ever come across. The church is the community of people working with God to heal the world. That's the best definition biblically of what the church means. Because it's not just one person. One person is not the church. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. We are the body of Christ. We are Christians. Even to think of one person as a Christian is a, a little separate from the biblical nomenclature. No, no church is plural, man. And it's not enough to just get together. No, we, we got to be doing something, doing something with each other and doing something with God. So the church is the community of people working with God to heal the world. And Paul says that everybody in the church, like you, has been given gifts. God gifted you so that you might gift the church. So, so that's what I... I want to talk about today is your gift to the community of people working with God to heal the world. 
And because these final few sermons are about making implicit things explicit, I'm going to try and draw a fine point on a few things. Because every Christian person's got to have a, a mission out there, but also a ministry in here. And during COVID, a lot of us faltered out there and vanished in here. And so there's two ways to look at that vanishing. One, you get grumpy about it. Oh, I can't believe, you know, uh, we're not as full as we used to be. Oh, oh I can't believe uh, not everybody serves like they used to. Um, or two, you could look at it like a believer and say, guess what? We got an opportunity. We got an opportunity to find a place of meaningful service and move forward in boldness. Now, truth is, the gifts that God has given you are part of the ministry in here. And the reason you gotta have a ministry in here is because your mission out there is exhausting. Like if you're actually living, filled with God's spirit, being obedient to the will of the Father, out there, loving and serving others, when you come back here, you're gonna be tired. Sometimes we say that church is a, not, it's, it's, a, it's a hospital for people. But better to say it's a, a gas station. You know, by the time you get back here, you got to be depleted. If, you, if you're not, if you're showing up in here um, with a full tank, then you didn't go far enough this week. Oh, you, you need to get recharged and refueled, not just from the sage on the stage or the band in the stands. No, but, but from you, from one another. God gave me a gift, but God gave you gifts. And we're not going to thrive without you. We'll survive without you. You could just show up and just sort of sit there. You could be a guppy. Everybody likes fish. Lots of people have tanks. Um, or you could be useful and a contributor. You could be valuable. Because everybody likes fish, but everybody needs a peer, a protege, a mentor. And we need you to thrive. Now, your work out there is comprised of fighting against fragmentation, loneliness, and despair. That's what it means to be a Christian out there. Sometimes people think, well, I gotta stand up for morality. Oh, I gotta, I gotta you know, advocate for justice and political change. Oh, I, 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 really, I really gotta make sure people know that you know, they're, they're going to hell unless they meet Jesus. Why don't you take about 30% off of that, Super Chief? Just dial that back a bit and um, think about the fact that as a Christian, one of the things you've got to do is hold on to broken people. Um, between here and the chapter house, which is where I will soon serve as a missionary, it's where I train creative pastors from all over the world, um, is Walmart. Maybe you've heard of it. My trips into Walmart have increased exponentially, primarily because that's where they sell Keurig K-cups, and I need them. I need them badly. Every time I go into Walmart and I go to buy Keurigs, I, I bump into people. 
You know, some people recognize me from West Winds, some people recognize me from the gym or whatever, but I often end up having these Walmart conversations that formerly were not a part of my life. And there's nothing quite so startling as trying to find the flavor of Starbucks K-Cup that you want to have somebody run up to you, grab you by the arm, and start to cry. I mean, that's, that's exciting, let me tell you. Now, I'm used to people crying, you know, oftentimes. If they see my picture, they just burst into tears. <laughs> They're so horrified. I'm getting a lot of comments about my pants today. Um, keep your tears and your comments to yourself. They're very stretchy, okay? This is why I bought them. I'm not sure if you've seen a pastor do this before, but you're welcome. Just saying I could lift weights in these pants or run if I was a pervert, yeah. But yeah, I'll get very emotional conversations with people in the cake cup aisle at Starbucks. And I remember one woman ran up to me and she said, oh my God, I, I know you, I know you. You're that guy on, on, on my computer. And I said, yeah, uh, my name is Dave, you know, nice to meet you. She goes, I, I've wanted to talk to you for so long because my life is a mess. It is an absolute ruin. My husband's having an affair, he left me. My children won't speak to me. I don't have a job, I'm losing my house. And all I could think of is, God send me some help somewhere. Now, you know, there's nothing that I can say in that moment. I don't have a Bible verse that helps, because um, it's not the right time for quoting the Bible. Uh, I'm not gonna preach a sermon to her in Walmart. But you know what I could do? I hold her. I just held her. And she cried and she cried and she cried and she cried. And that's all. And at the end, she said, thank you. That is exactly what I needed. Thank you. So that's, that's your mission to the world. There's people out there that are broken. And they just need to be held they need to be held together. They need you to listen to them. And you fight that brokenness, that fragmentation with, with wholeness. Loneliness, of course, is a, an insidious kind of enemy. And we are a, such a lonely world right now. I mean, when we still have so many people who are shut up in their homes and double masked every time they go to the bathroom and social distancing from the rest of the human species. I mean, it's, it's a lonely time. Everybody's got somebody who's still afraid, who can't come out, who can't do the things. And when we feel that, that ache, it's such a painful, painful experience. And we know that the responsibility of the church is to love. We know that Christians are meant to be loving but you know, one of the biblical words for love is friendship, phileo. Sometimes what people need is a friend. Your mission out there is to befriend people. Now, that might not sound very um, laudy or lofty. And of course, many of us feel like we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have friends, nobody's reaching out to us, and we get so focused on our own loneliness that we forget your life isn't about you. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And like him, 
you and I are called to, to serve. So instead of feeling the ache of our own pain and loneliness, we ought to identify others who are hurting and befriend them. Of course, in God's economy, the most amazing reciprocity occurs and as we love them. We experience love with them. And my, my favorite group of people that I, I'd say slightly tongue-in-cheek, they're, they're so lonely, are um, old men at the gym. You know the kind of people I'm talking about? If you ever go to a gym, I go early in the morning, and there's always old men there. And I think the primary um, purpose of the gym for elder gentlemen is a reason to change clothes. Because they'll get up, and they'll put on their joggers, and then they'll go to the gym, and they'll talk to this pretty girl, and then they'll talk to this pretty girl, and then they'll talk to this pretty girl. And if, and if they were younger, you know, like 70, it'd be kind of creepy. But the fact that they are interminably aged makes it sort of endearing, you know? Like Gandalf and Santa Claus pick up Yoda on their way to the gym, and they all share a prune smoothie together so they can talk to people. And the, the truth is, they're just, they're just lonesome. So your mission when you're confronted with loneliness, is to befriend people. Now, you, you probably don't have time for that. That's probably a big interruption for, for you in your busy life. Um, fix that. Fix it. Doesn't mean you have to spend all day with every sad sack of potatoes that gets dropped on your doorstep, but prioritizing people is a good way to be. So we fight fragmentation with wholeness. We fight loneliness with love. And we fight despair with hope. Hope does not disappoint us. Hope is the ability to imagine a better future than what you got right now. And the belief that you can do something to get there. And I tell you, our world needs hope, man. It needs hope. Everybody out there needs hope. So we wonder how long is this pandemic going to last? You know, we had COVID, and then we had, I don't know, now we got the Omicron thing. Next, who knows what it'll be? Alpha, Beta, Tau, you know, all the different Greek fraternities, the Alpha, Omega variant, we have crypt, Cryptonomicon, we have, you know, Megatron, it's all this stuff. And, and people just wonder, is this just going to go on and on and on? Well, no, of course not. Of course not. You gotta be the people reminding everybody that this too will pass. We're all gonna get through it. But some of us are gonna get through it a whole lot better than others. And the people that don't have any hope will come on the other side of this pandemic deflated, friendless, alone, bitter, and grieving. And God looks at those people and he says they need help. So I'm sending you. You. Now, if you get into any of these conversations, the Walmart conversations, the gym conversations, the hopeless conversations with people at the pharmacy or the hospital, if you get into any of those conversations, at the end of the day, you're, you're tired, man. You might have had 10 meetings. You might have had 50 Zoom calls. You might have had all kinds of errands to run, but it's that conversation that you will remember. Because it took something out of you. 
And if you're obedient and faithful, now in this season of human history, you're going to have a lot to remember. Because our world is hurting. And it needs healers. It needs you. Not once in a while. But every day. And so you're going to get to the end of the week and you are going to be spent. Thank God you got a church. As you show up here and you get around the community of God's people. And now it's time for you to give in a totally different way. See, the stuff out there that happens is a, it's a divine interruption. It's a surprise. It's like a little booby trap of grace. It's the stuff that happens in here. This is what you plan for. This is what you schedule for. This is what you've got to prioritize. Come here and look at all the other wounded healers around you and know, man, if we're going to thrive and get through the other side healthy, well and whole, we have to take care of each other. We have to take care of each other. So you've got to figure out how you will take care of the people next to you. Especially right now, in this interim season in our church, where we're going through some, some, some shakes and quakes. And look, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I sometimes go, I, 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 part of me wants to apologize for moving on. But the other part of me goes, how could I not? When the Lord calls, you pick up the phone. When he says go, you go. Now, there were times in my tenure where I wanted the Lord to call. I was ready. Lord, my bags are packed. I'm just waiting by the phone. You know, usually that happens like from February till when it thaws in mid-August. Take me to San Diego, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. But no, 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 this, this is different. This is different. And if God's calling me, well, God's calling you too. And you got to decide. What you're going to do now? Because your church needs you. Now, I know what I'm going to do. First Sunday in February, I'm going to play the drums. It's going to be loud. Like the Lord intended. If you wince, I will hit the drums louder. Scare all the sissiness right out of you. You know, we, you, but you've got to find some place to serve. There's three questions I want to leave you with today. And they're important. They're critical for you. First, how will you help? How are you going to help your church now? Now, you might hear some of the stuff we go on, you know, Eric, out there in nine degrees, putting benches together, finishing wiring, and you might think, well, that's not my opportunity. Okay, great. You don't have to do everything. You just got to do something. Well, I'd, I'm not really able-bodied, and can you give money? Because there's a lot of people here that can't. But maybe God has enabled you to do just that. Well, how much should I give? Well, biblically, 10% is a good place to start. And it's a lousy place to stop. Do you know the most generous people in our church are the most involved and also the most happy. 
That's a testimony to the faithfulness of God. It was, can I just share a totally carnal, fleshly, ego-driven moment with you? I, um, I always had it to be my ambition that I would be the biggest giver in our church. I thought, that'll be great, because then I'll never have to feel bashful talking about the importance of giving, because I can say, I give more than any of you. Suck it. That's what I was, it's, it's not a godly motivation. It was just a practical, but you know, now that, now that my tenure's done, I can just confess my sin and, and move. I got close. I got really close. I got really close. Um, but two, the same two filthy degenerates beat me out year after year after year, and I kept praying for the Lord to take them out in a bus crash or something, but... God would not serve my ego like that, you know. And you got to figure out how you, how you going to help. How are you going to help? Number two, um, where will you serve? Where will you serve? You know, volunteering in nonprofit organizations, specifically religious organizations, and particularly churches, is a tremendous predictor, not indicator, predictor of happiness, hopefulness, meaning, and significance. When you give of your time and your energy, your insights, your wisdom, your knowledge, your presence to your church, it helps you feel and experience happiness. And you learn differently when you're involved than when you just attend. I mean, think about it. You know, normally if you just come to church and you're just coming on a Sunday, you're going to be late. You're running a few minutes late. You're a little bit cold, kind of scattered. You missed the first couple things that happened. You don't really pay any attention to Kelly. By the time Eric gets up to say something, you're sort of halfway there. You know, you kind of caffeinated. Then you got to go pee, get up and leave the church a couple times and get distracted, come back in for the last few minutes of the sermon, go leave early so you don't have to talk to anybody. And you go, well, that was all right. But, I mean, I got better things to do with my one hour on Sunday. Yeah, but, but think about, like, uh, we, people we got running cameras. You know, they get up at a, who knows, but they got, they got to be here at like 7.45. They're surrounded by all these other people serving. Jeff up there in the lights. Devin working on sound. Rick on the bass. Rex over here playing the drums. I see Amy down there in the kids' ministry department. They look around, they see all these people sacrificing for their church. Edifying the body in faithful obedience to the witness of Scripture and the history of Christian tradition. And they go, yeah, I'm part of this. I'm part of this. And when it's all over, they don't, they don't just get to leave. They got to clean up, turn things off, shut the lights down. Do you know what a holy experience it is to be the one to shut the church down, flick off all the lights, close the doors, set the alarm, and know we're good. So you volunteer, and God is working in you in ways that you cannot predict and that you can't quantify or even really understand until you look back over 10, 20, 30, 50 years, and you realize, I was learning how to be part of a community of people working with God to heal the world, and I didn't even know it. I was acclimatizing to the Spirit. So where are you going to serve? Where are you going to serve? Last Sunday, we had nine people who called us between 8 and 8.15 to let us know that they wouldn't be able to show up and serve because they had COVID. Now, I'm glad they didn't come. That would have been worse if they'd all showed up. No, I'm fine. <laughs> I had some uh, horse dewormer, and I'm ready to go. 
No, I'm glad they stayed home, but, uh, but you know, then it's just, it would, would have been a lot easier to take care of the people we know and especially the people we don't know if we had a couple more people roll up their sleeves and jump in and help. Now, again, you can't do everything, but you can do something. You like to work with your hands? Good news. We've got some stuff that's broken around here, needs fixing. Some walls that need to be painted. You like uh, working with children? Good news. We got some. People keep making more. Honestly, there's no problem in supply. Production is working overtime. Nine months of people staying home, <laughs> they weren't sheltering from everyone. <laughs> yeah, you musician, we need some. Tech people, we need some. You know, Second Amendment fanatic, great. We'll make sure you're not crazy, and then we'll get you on the shooting range, and then we'll get you on our security team to make sure that people are okay. There's a place for you here, and, and you gotta find it, and you especially gotta find it now. So how are you gonna help? Where are you gonna serve? And last but not least, who will you love? Love. Now last week I was real vulnerable, I shared with you some of my low moments as a pastor. And uh, Judy Bradley, who we love very much, one of our senior saints here, she, she heard me talking about being those times when I just wasn't sure I was any good or that people appreciated anything I was doing. So sermon gets over, and Judy runs out into the lobby, grabs one of our staff people and says, hey, I love you. He didn't know it, but I'm gonna make sure you never forget it. I love you. Who are you going to love? It's not, it's not our staff or our elders or our musicians only that need love. It's the people in that row over there. It's the people on that side of the auditorium over there. It's the person right next to you. See, we have got to take care of each other moving forward. Because one person can't do that. One person can't heal the world. One person can't build the church. Oh, it takes a community of people working with the Lord. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for the privilege of knowing and serving you. Thank you for the ways in which your spirit is calling and summoning your people to the fore. Ennoble them. Empower them. Make them bold and full of faith. Help them to understand, Lord, that the time for them to step forward is now in love and friendship, in faith, in tenderness, with great hope and great confidence that the best days of this church stand in our future and we will stand together with you working to heal the world. We love you and we bless you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.